The scripture reading this morning comes from Mark eleven twenty seven through twelve seventeen. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did they not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit from the winepress and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat, and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Good morning. As I mentioned several weeks ago, summer is a great time for rest and relaxation. But because of many of our natural rhythms that are disrupted, summer also can be a challenging time for us to grow in our relationship with Christ. So to help us kind of stay the course this summer, we're looking at the second half of the book of Mark. And Mark teaches us what Jesus came to do. That he came to go to Jerusalem, to die on a cross, and to be raised from the dead. And Mark also teaches us what it means for us 
to follow him. So over the past several weeks, we've learned that following Christ means that we are called to embrace suffering, to take up our own crosses. We also learn that following Christ means to be at peace with one another. We've learned that following Christ means looking to him for wholeness. And last week, Daniel reminded us that following Christ means submitting to his authority as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, this morning, we're looking at this long passage in chapter 11, verse 27 through chapter 12, verse 17. And if you notice this passage, you can pull out your bulletins or your Bibles. If you notice, it contains three interactions between Jesus and the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Now, the first interaction in chapter 11, verses 27 through 33, Jesus has returned to Jerusalem. And after being held as the Messiah, the King of the Jews, by the crowds, and then after clearing the temple because the people had lost sight of what God had called them to do, he arrives in Jerusalem. And who comes to him but the chief priests, the scribes, the elders, the religious leaders, And then they ask him, by what authority is he doing all these things? Now, I love Jesus' response to them. He's being challenged in all of these interactions, and he responds with great authority. He fires back with a question of his own concerning the baptism of John, asking them, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Now, if they answered from heaven... They knew that he would naturally then ask, well, then why didn't you allow John to baptize you? Why didn't you follow him? And then if they answered from man, then they feared. They feared that the crowds who believed that John's baptism was from God, that they would turn on them. And so they stood speechless before Jesus. And what was his response Neither will I tell you from where my authority comes. You see, Jesus foils their attempts to ensnare and entrap him while upholding his authority as Messiah and King. Now, if you look at the second passage, the second interaction, Jesus speaks to the crowd and the religious leaders that were there. And he tells them a parable which proclaims judgment on the religious leaders for their disbelief and their efforts to lead Israel, God's vineyard, astray. You see, the parable of the tenants is a painful, painful reminder of how God's people mistreated all the prophets, all the servants that God had sent to call them to repentance, and they ignored those prophets. The parable of the tenants is a reminder that God sent his son, the great prophet, the very word of God incarnate to preach the good news of the gospel and to call them to repentance. And what did they do? They killed God's son and hung him on a cross. And while judgment will fall on many in Israel, in this parable, Jesus promises that he will establish a new community, a community of believers who will follow him and help 
bring about restoration and renewal in our world. And then if you look at the third and last interaction found in chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, Jesus again interacts with the Pharisees and the Herodians. The Herodians were actually the Roman leaders. And once again, they're trying to entrap him so they can arrest him. And they ask him, is it lawful for the Jews to pay taxes to Rome? Now, if Jesus says yes, the Pharisees knew that this would incite the Israelites against Jesus. And if Jesus said no, then the Herodians, the Herodians would accuse him of speaking against Rome and supporting an insurrection and they would arrest him. But Jesus, as the great wise high priest, tells them to bring him a Daenerys. And this simple Roman coin, this coin that had a picture of Caesar on one side, and then on the other side it had an inscription saying, Hail to Caesar. This coin that the Jews had such disdain for because they were never allowed to make any graven image of themselves or anyone on any article. Jesus actually took this coin and he simply said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. You see, the great high priest in this passage turns the Pharisees and the Herodians away. And then he calls all who profess faith in him. He says to them, you are image bearers. And your lives are to be surrendered to God. Your lives are or to be a worship of him. You see, in these three passages, we learn that Jesus is the king. He is the king who has come with great authority to deliver God's people, not by overthrowing the Roman government, but by giving his life on a cross. We learn in the second passage in this parable that he is the great prophet who was sent by his heavenly father to call not only the religious leaders, but all of Israel to repent and turn to him. And because of that, they rejected him. And yet, God established a new community, a new people of God. And we learn in the third passage that Jesus, Jesus is the high priest who is calling us to offer our lives, not to Rome or any particular country or power, but to offer our lives in worship to God. Now, as you are thinking about all of this and thinking about Mark telling us who Jesus is, that he is king, that he is prophet, that he is priest, you're wondering, well, what in the world does this, these passages have to do with us and us following him? Well, the answer is that through our union with Jesus Christ, Christ, Christ has called us to the same three offices. You see, Christ has called us, called us to serve his kingly ministry. Christ has called us to serve his prophetic ministry. And Christ has called us to serve in his priestly ministry. And so for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to focus on what it entails for you and for me this summer to follow him. To serve as a king, to serve as a prophet and to serve as a priest.
So first, we are called to serve in his kingly ministry. Now, as some of you know, I'm a, a huge a fan of the crown. And the crown is, is basically, it looks at historic, historically back when Queen Elizabeth was first ordained as queen. And it kind of talks about her life and shows behind the scenes kind of her struggle with having all this authority and yet also having this incredible duty and then having to weigh and balance all of these things. And as I've watched her struggle with how to rightly exercise this authority, I can't even imagine walking in her shoes. Yet the truth that Mark teaches us the truth of the gospel and the truth that Paul teaches us in Ephesians 2, 6 is that we, too, are royalty. Those of us who profess faith in Jesus are called to rule and to reign with him. Now, granted, don't get too excited. We're not going to have crown jewels. so We don't have Kensington Palace to live in. Yet God has given us homes and lives to live out to his reign in our world. You see, through our union with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we have been given authority and power to lead and to serve others. We have been called to proclaim the good news of the gospel and to help establish his kingdom here on earth. When a king in the ancient Near East was conquered, conquered another country, what he would do, he and his men would ride out to each corner of that country and they would carry the banner of the king. And that was a call to that country to say that this king was now reigning over all of this country. Well, likewise, you and I we carry the banner of King Jesus who lives and dwells in us. And we are called to reign, not to overthrow governments, but we are called to go to every corner of our neighborhood and to carry the banner of Jesus and to proclaim that his reign is here, that his kingdom has come. We're called to go into our workplace, to go into the schools, to go into the grocery stores, to go wherever we're vacation this summer and to proclaim the good news that the King of Kings lives and that we as his prince and princesses are called to reign beside him. Now that is one aspect of our kingly ministry is to raise the banner of Christ. But another aspect of our kingly ministry is not defeating and overthrowing governments, but using his authority and his power to defeat Satan and sin in this present age. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present age, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, that you would stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. You see, just as Queen Elizabeth, every morning she has this routine, every morning she awakes and she does not dress herself. The servants come in and they dress her in the same way. Every morning when we awake, God dresses us with his armor. He clothes us with his righteousness. He gives us the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And he sends us out. To rule and reign in the world and to fight against Satan and the evil in this present age. I remember my dad telling me early on when I became a believer, he served in the Navy and he said to me, he wasn't a very religious man at all. But the one thing that he said, and I'll never forget it, he said, you know, Todd, I've traveled all over the world on the battleship. And we've landed in many ports. And the one thing that I know is true is that evil exists in our world. I've seen it with my very eyes. I've never forgotten that. Because it's easy in our world, especially in the States, especially in our comfortable lives, to think that there isn't evil, that Satan isn't around. But he is. My dad was correct. Evil exists. And we are called to participate in his kingly ministry. And one aspect of that is standing with the armor of God on and defeating and destroying the evil that exists, the powers of injustice that exist in this city to stand against those injustices and to rise up so that the kingdom of God might grow. You see, we are called to be God's princes and God's princesses. We are called to go and lead. We are called to reign, to build his kingdom. And so I wonder this morning, what would it look like for you and for me to participate in Jesus' kingly ministry this summer. Maybe God is calling you to take more of a leadership role in your family. Maybe God is calling you to take more of a leadership role in your community group. Maybe he's calling you to lead a community group next fall. Maybe God is calling you where you know there might be evil that exists in this city to go to those places. I remember when we were in Costa Rica, we would go out at night, a group of us, and we would go to the hotel where young women were brought and trafficked for sex with Europeans and Americans. And we would stand there and we would proclaim in the name of God 
that this evil needs to be put out. Maybe this summer God is calling you and I to participate in his kingly ministry to go, not alone, but go with one another and to stand and to proclaim that God is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's going to look different for all of us because we all have unique gifts, but we're all called to serve in his kingly ministry. Now, let me just say one word of caution. Some of us are natural rulers. We love to be king, very much like, um, is it Simba? Yeah, in the Lion King, right? And for those of us who are natural rulers, we need to rule with restraint. And we need to remember that Jesus came as the servant king, that we need to lay our lives down for him. Now, others of us in this room, we do not have the gift of ruling and we do not have the gift of leadership. And we're hesitant to step into this kingly ministry. We much rather kind of push the rulers out and let them kind of lead us. And I'm telling you, every one of us, regardless of our gifts, are called into Jesus's kingly ministry. And so for those of us who are hesitant, maybe this summer we need to draw on Christ in us and the Holy Spirit's power and step out and lead and reign. And all of us in this room, as we've seen in this passage again and again, If we step into Christ's authority and proclaim his authority, we will be challenged. Christ's authority in us will be challenged. But we don't fight back with swords. We pray for wisdom. We pray that we might have the wisdom to speak the words that Christ spoke. So that we might silence our accusers. And woo them to Jesus. So the one thing that we see when we think about what it means to follow Christ from these passages is that like Jesus, who served as king of kings, we too are called to participate in Christ's kingly ministry. Secondly, we are called to participate in his prophetic ministry. Now, just even saying that, the Presbyterian in me kind of shudders because there's a a great fear among us Presbyterians that people would think that they're God and that they would take away from God's word and think that God has spoken to them with the same authority that special revelation has spoken. And so the whole idea of the gift of prophecy and, and, and a prophetic ministry, we in the Reformed faith, we tend to shy away from. So hear me. The Old and New Testament, these canons are closed. Jesus is the special revelation. And he is one and only. And we do not add to his word. Yet, we believe that just as Jesus entered our world as the word, and he spoke the truth of the gospel, that his word lives and dwells in us. And we too are called to speak and proclaim the word of God. Colossians 3.16, Paul tells us that the word 
dwells richly in every believer. And in 1 John 2, verse 20 and verse 27, John warns us and he reminds us that God has given us this word. And he's also given us the Holy Spirit to help us discern, rightly discern the truth of his word so that we can proclaim it and speak it to one another. And so with the guidance of the Spirit and his wisdom, we are sent out to speak the truth in love to one another and to our neighbors. Paul writes in Romans fifteen fourteen that we are to instruct and encourage other believers. And not only are we to speak the truth to other believers, we are to speak the truth to our neighbors. We are to call them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. You see, we are God's mouthpieces, called like the prophets of old, like Jesus the great prophet, to proclaim the good news to a world that desperately needs to hear it. And so I wonder, what would it look like for you and for me to participate in Christ's prophetic ministry this summer? Who might the Holy Spirit be nudging you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with this summer? Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone you sit beside on the plane as you travel this summer. Maybe it's a a clerk in a grocery store, a waiter or a waitress. It might even be a co-worker or a family member. Whoever the Holy Spirit is leading to you, We speak knowing that Jesus, the great prophet, lives in us. And through our union with him, he will empower us to preach the good news of the gospel. And again, as we take on this prophetic ministry, there will be challenges. There will be those who stand against us just like they stood against Jesus. But the good news is that Jesus, the great prophet, prophet is alive. Yes, they killed him, but he was raised from the dead and he dwells in us and he promises, he promises that his word will not go out and come back void. So what does it mean to follow Christ this summer? First, it means to participate in Christ's kingly ministry. Secondly, it means participating in Christ's prophetic ministry. And then thirdly and lastly, it means participating in Christ's priestly ministry. You see, in the last interaction, Jesus serves as a high priest, calling us to offer ourselves in worship to God. And just as Jesus serves as a priest, we too are called to be a kingdom of priests. Every one of us in this room are priests. And we are called to use our priestly ministry to love and to care for one another. Kevin said this well, we are called to intercede on behalf of one another. I mean, those women, as they were in the why, what were they doing? They were living out their priestly ministry. They were interceding. They were praying on behalf of the city and the world and the church. 
And what a beautiful picture of them doing that. Likewise, for us, this summer, we are called to intercede on behalf of one another and the world and the church. And one opportunity that you have, that we have, is on June 10th, we're going to gather at 5 p.m. here. And we're going to have a time of prayer where all of us can lift up our voices to pray for the city, the church, and the world. That's going to be from 5 to 6. And then to hope entice you to come, we're also going to feed you afterwards. So we're going to have a feast to celebrate the priestly ministry of prayer. So I encourage you to come out so that we might serve as his priest. The priests not only intercede and pray, priests also are the ones who champion the call to worship God. Jesus in this passage, he's saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God. We are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And this is our spiritual act of worship. And we are called individually to worship him and corporately to worship him. And as priests, it's not just my role or Daniel's role to stand up here and to to encourage you to come out on Sunday mornings and to worship. It's your roles with your family members, with your friends and with your neighbors to call them to also worship and to come into the local congregation. And to lift up our voices. And we all know the temptation this summer is going to be great to not do that. The temptation with the beautiful weather is going to be to stay at home. The temptation is going, when we're on vacation, to not find that local church at that beach that we can go to. And yet, if we're going to act and to serve as his priests, we need To call one another to worship. To call one another to gather in corporate worship. You see, Jesus, in these passages, Mark tells us He is King. He tells us that He is the great prophet. And He tells us that He is the great priest. And because of our union with Him, He tells us that we have been called to participate, to serve in His kingly ministry. We have been called to participate and to serve in His prophetic ministry. And we have been called to serve and participate in His priestly ministry. As we do this, God's kingdom will grow in our city and around the world. And so my hope is that we will all take up these offices this year, this summer, and that we will all follow him. Amen.